handle the truth. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Thomas Free Me TV and podcast show. This is Thomas Free Me. How y'all doing, man? Blessed to those that are here with us tonight. Thank you for joining us. Um, thanks again for all my my sponsors, my subscribers. You know, for sticking with me through through these tumultuous times. As you know, growth can be very hard, as we know. You know both internal and external. Um, as you can see, I got the radar up for for the hurricane coming in. I am in the Tampa Bay area, so we are waiting for it to come through. I am going to ride it out here in the studio. Um, so I will be making random posts to my Facebook, social media, things like that. I'm hoping not to lose power here, but we should be okay for, here for the uh, for the program. Tonight's show, we're going to be talking about uh, parole, specifically life on parole, and what it means, you know. Uh, do we need it? Is it necessary? What are the effects of life on parole? And I'm bringing back a Mr. Joseph Irizari. Now, we did a show not too long ago called A Bronx Tale, and... um. It was a very, very good show, very powerful show. And shortly after that show, my main man had an altercation. And um, again, had another test, you know, we're, we're constantly being tested. So I'm going to bring in my partner and hopefully everything goes as planned. Joseph. Yeah, what's up, bro? How you doing? Man, blessed, partner. How are you, man? I'm 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 blessed. I'm humble, you know, and uh, staying the course. Staying the course. Yeah. So, before we get started, right? Um, you know, after our show, I don't know if 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 you ever went back and and checked our show out, but in the comments, shortly after uh, Miss Cynthia of the F8 Foundation notified me that you, you know, you had an, an altercation. An individual came on the show and, and left some comments. Some of the comments that he made, right, was out of the gate. He he said, uh, this guy is already back in prison for stabbing a man in road rage, wasn't he? I responded, amen, my brother, he is. I put a link to the article in my community post. He texted me right before this event because he had ordered some of the merchandise um, from my... He had ordered some of the merchandise I made from the show. He was excited and happy because he even called a mutual friend of ours and was showing them to her. I texted him back and told him to send me pics so I can market them. I never got the pics. Our friend sent me an article and told me what had happened. I honestly don't know the facts of the case or what happened, but I know a guy like that wasn't one to get flipped with. And people purpose, purposefully push buttons. I am praying for this man to have peace in his life. He responded back to that. Uh, good God, I lost the comments. Here we go here. So he responded back. 
People purpose purposefully push buttons. Dude, he murdered a Latino man the first time and tried to murder someone he almost hit while drunk driving. This isn't the hill to die on. And then he never responded after that. So, so with that being said, partner, what happened that day, man? So it's interesting, right? I had just finished working. You know, I have a, I have another job. I'm a personal trainer at another nonprofit organization that is geared towards affording individuals an opportunity of a pathway career fitness or whatever pathway career, you know, they, they think is suitable for themselves. So I was working, finished training the client, uh, also just finished getting out of another conversation with another friend that wanted me to go to uh, Brockton area because a lot of the kids were being suspended months on end. And she's like, Joe, I want to hire you for this to come out here to Brockton and be a mentor to a lot of these kids that are doing nothing with their time while they're being suspended from school. And I'm like, sign me up, send me an itinerary, and let's get this started. So everything was great. You know, just left work, uh, about to go home and, um, you know, have some pizza with my girlfriend and my fiance now, have, have some pizza with her and watch some Netflix. Just have a night, you know what I mean? Relax. My gas was running on empty. I had to go get a gas. So I go down to uh, I go down towards the Fenway area. It's a lot of traffic, a lot of people out. Uh, for some reason, some individuals are upset. They're yelling in their car. I really don't catch it, but they just kept doing it. And so I paid attention, and I noticed that they were yelling towards me. Their mm. windows was up. My windows was up. So I look at them, and I wave like, What's, what's going on? You know what I mean? Like, do we know each other? Are you saying hello? Are you, you know, I don't know what's going on. Maybe there was a client and it was happy to see me in the neighborhood or whatever. I don't know. Um, the passenger gets out of his car. Now, mind you, his car is slightly ahead of mine. He gets out of his car, starts to approach my car, but he's angry. So I put my car apart. I don't need nobody getting hit by me, you know? Put right, my right. car apart. He runs straight to my driver's seat door. And so, okay, I've done conflict resolution before. Somebody's upset. Just let them just get it out their system. They're yelling. It's okay. They could yell. As long as they don't touch me, it does not matter, right? Um, that didn't seem to be the case. He just kept yelling. Then I find I see his brother, his older brother, get out the car, out of the driver. I didn't know they were brothers until way after the situation occurred. And if you know how brothers act, they support each other, whether they ride or walk. Right around, right, right. Yeah. It doesn't matter what happens. Mm -hmm. If I see my brother upset, I'm upset. Don't know what's going on. But that's, you know, when I was younger. Now I'm a little bit more clear-headed. But um, so the older brother, he approaches me. He's doing the same thing. Hands are in the air. He's yelling. And instincts kick in. And I'm saying, okay, these guys are about to do something to me that I don't need to happen. So I asked them, call me. Are you guys about to jump me? And uh, they approached me. I'm cornered in between my door and the car because I stepped out the car to see what was going on with the passenger, the first guy. And he just kept yelling. I'm like, oh, this is just, it's not going to go nowhere. And then the, the other guy came and then uh, I was just stuck between both of them and the doorway to my car. I had nowhere to go, no outs, no anything. 
and uh, the passenger strikes me first. And then I respond with, you know, quick right to the driver that got out. And then I hit the passenger that initiated it all. And then they just bum rush me in my car. I try to push away. I'm on parole. I'm hmm. not even supposed to be on this, in this situation. This is traffic. Everybody just left work. It's 7 o'clock, 7 something at night. And I'm like, I'm not supposed to be here. Hmm. So I try to push them away, get in the car. They keep jamming my door open. Keep trying to pull me out of the car. Grabbing my hair, pulling my coat. And I'm saying, this is not an altercation I want to be in. You know, I have too many people depending on me. Like, you know, respecting all the work that I do in the community. And I'm a role model in that sense, right? Because I have people actually trying to figure out how they could follow in my footsteps and I'm helping them along that pathway. And uh, I got two men that are grown fighting me in the middle of the street. Not a good look. So <clears throat> I exchange a few punches and try to get away. They don't let me go. You hear people in the background yelling, leave him alone, leave him alone, honking your horn. And it's just me against these two guys. They don't want to stop fighting. So I said, you know what? Their punches are not really affecting me. So I just let it get out their system. You know, let them get a few hits in and maybe they'll be done once they realize I'm not fighting them back. But I'm not allowing myself to get dragged completely out the car either. So I'm mm -hmm. holding on to the steering wheel. One leg's in the car, the other leg's out. And it just keeps going back and forth. But then I say to myself, how long can I take these punches? Eventually, they're going to take a toll on my body, right? So I fight back, try to get them off. They don't respond. They just keep going back and forth. I look in the glove compartment for anything to defend myself. Um, my fiance had a utility knife that she kept there because she used to visit me when I was living in Boston. And, uh, you know, she had, you know, her own history and all that. But nevertheless, I reach in and I grab the utility knife. It's about that big. So small. Opening up, it just doubled in size, but it was still tiny, right? So I pulled it out and I showed it to them, but I held it down at my right side. Not even brandishing the steel that was in there, which would have been a small little doinker. And uh, they back up. I literally believed that was the moment where there was a reprieve and they came to their senses and wanted to leave the altercation alone, now knowing that I had something to defend myself against two men. I go to get in my car, start to close the door. They yank my door open again and pursue to hit me. Now, I got the knife in my hand, watch. And I'm saying to myself, all right, this is not going to end well if I brandish this and swing at them or try to stab them. I already have a history of, you know, living a violent life when I was a youngster. I'm a lot older now, grown, I'm matured. I left a lot of that behind me. I'm actually trying to do restorative work in the community, right? And I just know that this is not going to be a good situation. Nevertheless, despite all my attempts to get out of the situation and leave the area, of violence, they continue. So I did the least amount of harm that I could possibly do, and I would simply swing the knife at them half-heartedly. They jumped back, gave me enough time to get in my car, close my door, lock the door, put my car in drive because the traffic ahead of me had already gone. 
Now it's just traffic behind my car, their car, right? Mm -hmm. So I get ahead. And as I lock the door, they're beating on the window, kicking my car. There's dents all in the car now. You know, it's like that type of hostility did not come from me. It came from something else in their life that I understand. Like, you know, sometimes people have bad days. Sometimes people have things that occur in their life that seem to be pressing them. I understand all that. I just got the shit under the stick at the, at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Um, I left uh, another another driver that was there that was behind us, pulled up alongside me and asked me if I was okay, that it was some bullshit, it was fucked up, but if I was okay. I told him, yeah, you know, it was just punches. You know what I mean? No big deal. Honestly, I did not think that I struck a person. I thought that I swung at them and gave them enough to anticipate my movement so that mm -hmm. they could back up. <clears throat> now, regrettably, somebody got hurt. You know what I mean? And that's something that I have to deal with. I had to deal with when I got incarcerated for this situation again. Um, albeit, I was charged, but the jury decided to not prosecute uh, to Superior Court. You know, um, the district attorney decided to not prosecute as well. You know what I mean? Uh, it was it was a clear-cut self-defense, albeit the sensational news is road rage, uh, a person on parole for murder uh, is drunk driving and slashing somebody. That's sensation. What I've learned and what you know, America loves its monsters. America loves the redemption story, but so much they love the story of when people lose their shit. You know what I mean? And this was not their case. And I'm apologizing to everybody that they could not get that sensation from me. You know what I mean? Because that's just not who I am, you know? Uh, growing up and having committed crime or harmed people prior to where I'm at today was a matter of my reality based on the way I grew up. It's not my reality and how I see things today, you know? So uh, just, it's just, it was an unfortunate situation. Well, so this, this happened on that day. Now, yeah. who, who called the police? Uh, as I understand it, they had called medical and the police had showed up. And, so uh, so they, you, in, you injured them pretty badly. Well, no, nah, it really wasn't that bad, honestly. You know, again, yeah. I swung the knife towards them for them to anticipate my movement. Yeah. They backed up. Just one guy got a slash. He got a slash. Small, yeah, he got a small gash. And, um, you know, they, they gave a report to the officers. The officers had their video cam. And they admitted to the officers that very night on video, on audio, that they confronted me. You know, so it was all clear-cut case, you know. Of, Thank God for uh, that. self-defense, yeah. Yeah. Thank you God know, for that. You know, but it's unfortunate that some people just latch on to what media says. You know, when, uh, I mean, as you and I know, you know, media doesn't always give the truth. You know, you got it. There's always another side to the story. And, you know, it's about the sensation of it all. You know, America loves its monsters. Well, yeah, well, that's, I mean, again, that's that's why, again, I, I try to, to inform America to keep in mind about what the news is and how it was established and what it was built upon, right? Yeah. Because we don't have newspapers anymore, right? Remember back in the day, when newspapers came out, it was always the big headlines, the catchphrases. Mm -hmm. That no is what that's what sold, right? Yeah. It was who had the best headline, the catchiest phrase is is what would intrigue people to buy it and, and so on. 
Now, see what the news did, right, is they created a story, okay? And what happened was this individual that made the comment on the channel went in and Googled your name that he got from yeah. the news. Well, who is this guy? Let me see who this psycho guy is. You yeah. know, pulled up the video, our interview, and then made the comment that he made, right? Yeah. That is the chain of events that news does to our brains without yeah. conscious thought. You know what I mean? Yeah. When we're oh, walking so. around like like zombies, you know what I mean? It's it's there's we're just reacting to our emotions. There's no critical thought process in there whatsoever. No, and at the same time, a lot of people are hung up on their own biases and completely aware of the stereotypes that they have in their thought process. You know, and they have to sometimes sit there and confront that, you know? I mean, I think I think it's important that, you know, some people really focus on, you know, today's trending movement, which is restorative justice. You know, I think a lot of people in our communities should research, research restorative justice and understand that hurt people hurt people. You know what I mean? So just because I grew up a particular way and gone through what I've gone through, you know, there's, there's, there's a process of restoration within me that allows me to have some healing. But if individuals have the uh, audacity to judge others, then apparently, you know, there's some hurt there that puts them in a position to lash out at others. And they need to do some serious self-reflection. Well, there's no question. And then, you know, at the end of the day, so, well, you you did what, nine months approximately? Yeah, I did, I did it just about nine months to the day. And, and did you ha ever have any... Uh, any any feelings inside of you that you could possibly go back to prison for the rest of your life? Wow, that, that was a tremendous fear that uh, I actually talked to the parole board about that when I had got to see them. And, uh, you know, it, it's a hell of a struggle when you do 20 years of your life not knowing if you will actually get parole to actually live a life, right? That when you receive that and you left a lifestyle behind you, you know, of crime, of gangs, you know, of, you know, that street mentality, the street codes, you leave all these, you know, this, this way of living behind you, hold on to your character, but you leave that behind you. And I'm not looking over my shoulder for the police. I'm not looking over my shoulder for other gang members. I'm actually just enjoying my life with my nieces, my nephews, my son, you know, my fiance, my family going now having great dinners and not worrying about anything other than how can I be an assistance to somebody that's struggling with the loss of a loved one or, uh, or stressing out about whatever it is that they are. And I get hit with this situation and now it's like, wow, I'm about to go back to prison and deal with these young boys that are coming into the system and are seeing things under a lens that we used to see it when we were younger. And I'm not there, but I know how to live in that arena. I don't want to be there, mm. you know, and it was a hell of a struggle for me to just, you know what, do the right thing, you know, put this in my head. Like, all right, this is what actually transpired. This was a situation by the time is that we grow up being victimized, right? I've been shot in drive-bys. I've been shot at, you know, uh, my son's mother. She was shot with me because I was heavily involved in the streets, right? 
grew up in foster homes where I was mistreated, abused, uh, not given the proper care. Uh, went to juvenile custody. I was this, I was state raised. I'm an actual, I'm an orphan of the state, right? So up until 21, even the state abandoned. You know, when I went before my parole, my first parole hearing, the doctor uh, that sits on the parole board said, I don't need to meet you. I could just read your record and already have determined by the way you were raised that, that one, the state failed you, and two, that you would be in prison for murder. Already could have predicted that without knowing knowing who I was as a person, but just by reading my file, right? And that says a lot, you know what I'm saying? That says a lot about the capacity of pain and what pain can do to a community, mm. right? So there, there, there calls for a lot of healing in that, you know what I'm saying? But when it comes to, you know, having to turn myself in, that was, it was the right decision, but it was a hard decision nevertheless, because I don't think any person in their right mind will want to really go into prison unless they're doing that, that funny show 60 days in when mm -hmm. they can easily tap out, you know, whenever they're ready to get out. You know what I'm saying? When you're in there, you're stuck. And mm -hmm. I know a lot of guys mm -hmm. in there right now that are actually innocent and mm -hmm. they're fighting for their life just to get out. You know what I'm saying? So it's a horrific situation to go through, but one that I had to go through and in that process, realized that although I might be not be able to identify with being victimized all my life in the gangs, being shot, being stabbed, being jumped, uh, being abused in foster care, being uh, seeing domestic violence, you know what I mean? Like, I could never really register at that as victimization, although we know that that is victimization, right? But we grow up in a culture where that's okay. But that's not normal. But in our culture, that's okay. I've actually learned enough to know that what I went through last year was not okay. And that was me being victimized, albeit I did defend myself. But no person should have to go through that, especially at a traffic stop, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then the people that were there should not have had to witness that after going home from a long day of work, you know? But that was something that I had to work through in my nine months was that whole process of being victimized in that manner. And uh, just simply because who I am today as a humble person, you know, a person that appreciates life and knows his worth and value. You know what I mean? Amen. Amen, brother. So let me ask you this here, man. Joseph, did you get your license, man? <laughs> nah. So uh -huh. there, there, there's a whole thing with you know, the birth certificate, you know, it's, we found a birth certificate, but the birth certificate doesn't have my name on it. So we got to go through a whole process. I'm literally, my fiance drives me everywhere right now, you know, so it, it, it was just. Now, that, yeah, that was now, this, now, now this is, <laughs> now this is where I stand at, Joseph. Okay. And I think you know where I'm going to go at, because when mm. Cynthia told me the story, about what happened, you know, and, and everything that's going on. She clued me in on one little piece of information. Yeah. What was that piece of information, Joseph? I don't know. Please tell me. <laughs> that you was driving without a license. Oh, well, yeah. No, certainly. So now let me tell you this, right? Okay. Reentry is a hard thing, right? Some of us have different struggles in reentry. 
Amen. You know what I mean? Amen. Um, you know, we come from an era where you didn't need your birth certificate for a lot of things, mm. right? Now, post 9-11, that's a thing. Everybody needs a birth certificate, right? You need like 10 different type of documents to identify who you are as a person. Just They want to wanna know exactly who this person right? is. Right. So I grew up in a culture where having an ID was irrelevant to me. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Having a birth certificate really just did not matter, right? The less forms of identification, the better off we were. Exactly, right? So now, mm-hmm. unfortunately, in this day and age, as I'm living myself as uh, a citizen, right? Trying to engage in society the way society should be engaged in. Uh, one of the hurdles was being able to find a birth certificate. I found a social security card, but my birth certificate was a hassle. Learning that process, learning that hospitals get rid of birth certificates after so many years. And then you have to now go to vital records to find information. And if you do it online, and if you put the information in correctly, then you won't get it, right? But not only that, if there was a misspelling at the time that you was born, and you was completely unaware of that, you're never going to find the documentation. And that so happened to be the situation with me. They misspelled my mother's first name by one letter. And because of that, I could never find my birth certificate. I found the birth certificate now, but we have yet to find the updated version of the birth certificate that has my name on it that can allow me to go to the RV and get a driver's license. So until I can get that information or get a court order where I can actually change my name and get a decree, I'm still going to be stuck like Chuck, you know, taking public transportation and having my fiance or whoever drive me around. But it is what it is, you know, that it is, it is what it is. And the reason, the reason why I I brought that up, homie, and I bring that up is because I, I, I want my listeners to understand Right. This is a perfect example of when I say that we invite chaos into our lives, whether we know it or not. You know what I mean? And, and, and it goes to a spiritual level. Right. Because when when we know that we're doing wrong, no matter how we justify it to ourselves or however, but when we know that we're doing wrong, it creates it, it invites chaos to come into our lives. The reason why I point this out is because if you was not driving that day, none of this would have never happened. True? I mean, you know, I, I couldn't agree in part with that, right? And the only reason why I say that is because had I been driving that day and had a license, I could still not account for the individuals that feel the way they feel. You know what I'm saying? I cannot account for it. I could take responsibility for my own actions. I cannot take responsibility for no. somebody else. No. Somebody else represented chaos. If right. somebody else wants to represent chaos, I can't be responsible for that. Now, mind you, just because I did one harmless act, does that negate all the other good that I was doing in the community? I can't I can't sit with that, right? So I can't say just because I drove without a license that I negated all the other positive work that I was doing in the community, the mentoring that I was doing in the community, the trying to change our individual's perspective because just a week ago his friend got murdered in the streets of boston right and i was telling him what he should do and how he could always reach out to me so that we could do some restorative justice work and so i could so i could um teach him what that process looks like for himself and anybody else that needs healing so 
Whereas one small act that may have been wrong, does that small act negate all the other good that I was doing? So I, even though I've heard the story already, people say, oh, but you should not have done this. Well, that just minimized the worth of all the other things that I was doing that was mm. good. Now, the the flaw is that, yes, I should not have been doing that, right? I made excuses because, you know, time is of the essence. I had college that I was taking. I was going from college to work. Then after work, I went to another job. You know, I was engaging myself in the community. And because time is of the essence, and you cannot always depend on Lyft and Uber, you know, COVID was lifting, people was out, it was it was warm outside, you know, Uber. These these are these are ride. these are the facts of life and, and I, yeah. I I greatly appreciate you pointing this out because these are the struggles that we have to go through because nine times out of ten as as a convicted felon or a returning citizen or or living a life like what we have, we don't have a license, we don't have a birth certificate, we don't have contact of these things. And it's so hard to get these things. And what does the government expect us to do? Just sit back and just and just do nothing, right? I mean, but but what? Yeah. So 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 Thomas, one of the realities on that is is that a lot of states they represent the government, the, the Department of Corrections in every state they represent the government, and so does the RMP. They represent the government. But neither of those two institutions work together to ensure that there's a pathway for those that are being released from prison to have proper identification upon release. And or if you already have your driver's license, to reinstate that upon release so that you don't have those type of hurdles. But now if you don't never, if you never had a driver's license, at least institute a program in which people can start learning how to get their learner's permit pass the exam so that when you get home, you can actually go through the driver's course and then start to work towards your license. But these government institutions do not work together and they do not work together on purpose. They do not care about our proper reintegration into society as conduct as, as citizens that work towards being a, a proper pillar of the society and communities that we live in. No. And I mean, that's my point is, is when when we say that the system is broken, I mean, this is what exactly what you just described is exactly what I mean when I say the system is not broken. It's working perfect. It's not. It's These people, exactly they, they, they know what they're doing. They know they're not yeah. supposed to help each other and whatnot with all the technology that they have today. Like you just said, they don't even talk to each other. They don't even see each other, you know, integrally like like IT wise. Yeah. You know what I mean? You got to You got to bounce back and forth between these people. And it just but I got to wrap this up, homie. But going back to, to what it was, you know, for me and this is this is what I do. This is what my life experiences has really, really taught me and how and trained me and how to 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 sow my wild oats, I guess you would say. Right. And I brought up the driver's license thing. Not really specifically to put you on the spot, but we got some valuable information out of that conversation there, right? Mm -hmm. About the struggles that we go through, but specifically about how I deal with my daily outings and how I, I process things at the end of the day, right? And and when I sit here and I say that each one of these events, because it had nothing to do, like this event right here had nothing to do with your charitable work before. This is an event that all occurred at once at this particular time during this day. 
And what I do is I sit back and I process like how the hell did that whole event happen? Like what the frig happened, you know? And I always try to go back to where the first error began to create this chain of chaotic events that occurred after that. And, yeah. and, and what I challenge people is that when we do that, and this is only on a personal level, this has nothing to do with public opinion. And it, this is a personal want to be your best self and put yourself in the best position at all times. You know, when, when we sit back and we process that, we always find that in any situation, no matter if we get stabbed, shot, robbed, no matter what the situation is, when we trace all the way back and we're honest with ourselves, we always find that we could have done something different that would have triggered different results. That was the point that I'm trying to get our youth to understand. You know what I mean? And, and like you described, it was, it's the pressure of trying to save time. Let me just do this here so I can just save time. And then this, this chaos occurred. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, certainly. Yeah, I, I hear that. You know, another thing that I've I've learned outside of not driving, uh, apparently without a license, right? Um, <laughs> is sometimes you just can't save everybody. You know where they are. You know, in my mind that night, this man was upset, and I thought that I could probably hear him out and do conflict resolution. Um, I think. You know, from that experience and learning, you know, some people are just going to be upset. You got to leave them where they are. You know, um, the, 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 the ever in mind in that night was the fact that I even entertained him. You know, when uh, in entertaining him, he probably got more upset. You know, in reading the reports, there was apparently some biases that they already had as to who I was and what my appearance is. You know, so just going at that and just realizing that I could blame myself for driving without a license. Um, but I, I think that it could go a little bit deeper that maybe I wasn't supposed to save everybody. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? That some people are just meant to be the way they are and they're going to find somebody else that will correct them and put them on the right path. I wasn't the one, you know, and that might have been the greatest takeaway of that night was I can't help everybody, you know? That's beautiful, brother, because that's what, Man, that's so beautiful, brother, on a spiritual level, because that is what we are supposed to do as human beings. Exactly what you just said is process. And, and exactly what, what I was saying is sit down and process why this event occurred and what we could have done differently. And that's why we we entertain these experiences. This is why we have these experiences so that we learn from them. You know what I mean? What could I have done differently? How or what? Sometimes. You may not know that answer right now. That, that answer may not come till six months down the road. But as long as we continue to seek to be our best selves, right, the answer will always come. It will come. You know, it will come. So, Joseph, man, brother, personally, I'm so glad that you got out of that, oh, that no it doubt. resolved in a favorable way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, because I was distraught over that. I really was because it was fresh off our interview um, that was the first time that you and I had spoken. You really struck me as a as a very, very humble guy. And I just did not see you attacking anybody, you know yeah, what I mean, yeah. without without just cause. Really honestly don't. You know what I mean? I know that you've been a man who uh, you know, who who you're done with altercations. 
Like me, I don't want to. I don't want to have no altercations with nobody. I don't want to upset nobody no more. There's yeah. been enough of that. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the drama. You know what I mean? And you resonate that same thing. And and when I heard that, I just knew that there was more to the story. So bless, bless you for being home, brother, and oh, continuing no on on um your 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 life journey to correct course. So yeah, many sir. blessings on that. Oh no, Sully, I appreciate that, man. You need to stay safe down there with that little storm that you got coming your way. You know, you, you, you know the thing of it is, is I just because I, I wasn't even paying attention, homeboy. And and somebody, um, somebody that's up in Massachusetts by the name of Darlene, she hit me up in, on Facebook and and um and uh Miss Daylene, I'm sorry, I apologize, but she hit me up on Facebook and she was like, "Are you preparing for the storm?" Mm. And I'm like, "Oh, you know us Florida boys, we man, these storms ain't nothing, blah blah blah." But it piqued my interest, and I because I don't watch the news or nothing. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I turn on the news, and they're like, oh, it's going to be a cat four by Monday. This was yesterday. I mm -hmm. said, oh, shit, I had to go get a, a hurricane package, man. So, yeah, I, you yeah, know, I, I went and re-upped on my, my, my herbal medicinal supplies, yeah. you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and went and got my survival kit of a, a, a water and, and chips mm -hmm. and some, some dip and a couple beef jerkers yeah. and stuff, and I'm ready to ride well, it out. I mean, I mean, the best part is that we're in the mainland, right, man? But I, I like to give a shout-out to all my people in the island of Puerto Rican, Puerto Rico, because they got here hard again, you know, and they have yet to recuperate from the last storms they mm. got hit with. And America hasn't even resolved that. You know, let it be a main state on the, on the mainland, and all types of aid will get there, you know what I mean? Because we just can't have that on the mainland. But PR, island of Puerto Rican, is United States. It's just no love there, you know what I mean? So I want to give a shout out, much love, and I and I I'm hoping that my people get through it, you know. Absolutely, shout out to to my my Puerto Rican princesses. I yeah. hope that y'all are safe and okay. You know what I'm saying? But no, yeah. all all the ones that have been affected by by the storms in the past, and especially this storm, it just went over Cuba. So you know, yeah. blessings for Cuba. So everybody that's no been doubt, affected. No um, I have this man's. Uh, website. This is his website up to his organization up there in New York, yes. what he's doing that you guys been seeing. So you can visit there and we are taking donations to coming home coalition. If anybody wants to donate yeah. again, Let's we go. got this storm coming through a lot of homeless here in Tampa Bay are going to need, you know, supplies after this storm. So you guys please donate. I can get out. Joseph, once again, man, take it easy, brother. You know that. You go know relax. That. That's and, all uh, I do now. <laughs> I know that's, that's right. They yeah. they scared the shit out of you, didn't they, oh, boy? It, that, that was a hell of a that was what we call in Spanish a hell of a tati quieto, you know, take it easy. Yeah, yeah, it's time to yeah. sit back and, and and evaluate stuff. So, brother, nah, you, definitely, you take definitely. care, man, and I'll catch you on the flip side. All right. All right, bro, man, be safe down there. Absolutely, man. All right, peace. So that's it, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. I know it was a little lengthy. Um, you know, it's, again, I try to keep it within a half an hour, but these conversations are crucial, you know, and these are these are personal um, subjects. These are very important subjects. Um, thank you for tuning in. I love you guys for it. We're going to ride this storm out. As you see, we're starting to get bands. So I'm going to stay up a little bit and, and uh, who knows? I don't know. But Thank you for joining in. Again, as I say, please visit www.cominghomecoalition.com. There's going to be homeless people that's going to need new supplies. We're trying to get together 
uh, care package for these guys. Um, and that's it, man. I hope you enjoyed the show. Tune in Saturday night. I have no idea what's coming Saturday night. I'll put it together through the week. The summer pop up. Till then, peace. Stay your best self. Stay safe.